Hi everyone, I'm your host, Andre Faras, co-founder and CEO at Incognito. Welcome to Trust and Safety Mavericks, a show focused on topics related to online trust and safety and riding the next big wave. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and thank you, Andre and Ayrton, for joining us today to discuss why companies should consider buying versus building. Let me introduce the topic before we jump into discussion. When your team identifies a new software need, you have two options. Either you build it in-house or you buy an existing solution. The first option comes with the cost of development, upkeep, and maintenance. But teams are often drawn to the idea of a homegrown solution because it, in theory, it can be built to fit the exact specifications needed by their company and connect seamlessly with existing systems. Despite that appeal, the resources needed to build are often underestimated. It ends up being expensive from both a cost and resources perspective and often distracts from more business critical work. Today, the best practice is to use the 60% requirements threshold. If an existing software solution meets 60% of your requirements, buying is the most efficient decision. At Incognia, one of our biggest competitors is in-house development. Often companies actually find us because they tried and then failed to build a solution in-house. These companies include food delivery, peer-to-peer marketplaces, gaming, and others. Given this, we have had many conversations with many prospects about the advantages of Incognia versus building location verification in-house. And today we have asked Ayrton, Incognia's chief technology architect, and Andre, our CEO, to talk with us about what companies need to consider when deciding between building and buying a mobile location verification solution. Thanks again for being here. Do you mind introducing yourselves briefly? Hi there, I'm Andre Ferraz, CEO and co-founder at Incognia. Hey guys, I'm Ayrton. I'm the chief technology architect at Incognia. And hello everyone, I'm working Brandy. I'm the VP of marketing at Incognia. So let's start with a high-level question. What are the trade-offs that companies need to consider broadly when deciding to build or buy a technology solution? Andre, do you want to kick off? Yeah, sure. Um, I'd say that the the three main things um, are, like first of all, like development resources, like how much people you, you need to allocate to build at least the ver- first version of something. Second is like price and cost, right? So like between buying and developing internally, like what is going to, to cost less. And then the third one, which is usually the part where I believe most companies overlook is maintenance, because this one is really what usually makes these internal projects more expensive. Like having to maintain a system is usually more expensive than even building the first version of it. You need to have people like upgrading the systems as like new versions of other uh, adjacent tools um, are upgraded. For example, you need to be fixing bugs all the time and bugs, they simply, they simply happen. <laughs> so you need to be fixing it and you need to be integrating that system to other systems that you eventually build, right? So maintaining a system is, is really costly and usually having something that you, you acquired externally tends to be better from from that standpoint. So uh, I'd say that those three would be the the key elements I would consider. Yeah, 
usually uh, people tend to think to underestimate how much effort they will need to build a solution because it sometimes it's hard to see the big picture, right? Because when you, you build something new, you need to, it's like a, a child, right? You have it for almost the rest of your life. So it's not just fire and forget. You need to create something, you need to evolve, you need to iterate over it. And probably it's, it's better, it's more efficient to have another company that iterated over it like for 10 years, then start from scratch and like do the first iteration, right? You will like lose a lot of knowledge, a lot of efforts, a lot of problem that was already solved and do something entirely new. It's like reinvented a wheel sometimes, right? So I think that it's, it's common to make that. I made that once, uh, twice maybe. But then I started seeing like the value of have something like ready to use like instantly. So I understand this type of uh, misconception that it's better to build everything in house. It, it's just not. After the, the first experience, you understand and you learn that it's not efficient to do that. It's not only that you are using the, your engineers doing something that is like not core for your solution but you are deviating the attention of your company or for many teams to be something that is not strategic for your company. Imagine that a company from the food delivery segment that is like focusing 10% of their engineer to build like a fraud system using location. Like that's huge. That can make a difference. Those 10% of engineers can make a difference between failure and success of that company. Definitely. Yep. So you're talking about opportunity costs there. There's also time to market, right? If if there's a an urgent need for that solution at that time, I think often, as you said, the time to market is underestimated. Okay, so digging a little bit deeper into location verification technology, what are some of the biggest challenges associated with building this specific type of technology? Let's, I guess, First, from a maybe a precision standpoint, we can discuss what are the factors that impact performance for location technology. Yeah, I'd say that the two most important elements for me when when considering like if, if you're going to build a location technology internally is one the, the precision that you just mentioned, right? So for each use case, precision will vary. And for example, if, if we're talking about an industry like gaming, where they have a need to verify if the user is at a state in which uh, playing that game is is allowed, the precision level that they need to use is, is around the state level, right? So it's not super precise. But when you're closer to the border, you need to be more precise because you, you don't want to mistakenly detect the user at one state where the user is, is on the other side of the border. So, so precision requirements for that use case are much less than if we compare that to, for example, marketplaces where they use this type of location data to verify the identities of users, right? So they need to match, for example, like a a physical address to the user's location. So the matching needs to be well done and precision is is a lot more important in in a scenario like that. So yeah, the the first thing is really like understanding the use case and understanding what, what are the requirements regarding precision. And then from there, defining what type of technology you're going to use. So if your precision 
requirements is not like super high. You don't need like super precise information. Leveraging data from like GPS or IP addresses may be good enough, right? But if you need more precise information, you need to leverage specialized technologies and building those technologies in-house would be super expensive because you need to learn how to manage like other types of signals to locate a user, right? So you need to understand how to leverage signals like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and, and sensors of, of the mobile device. And that becomes a lot more expensive. There's a lot of R&D that needs to go into that. And that tends to extend the, the time you need to, to build that. So it affects the, the time to market and opportunity cost and, and obviously the, the cost to develop the solution. So that would be precision, right? And then the second big attribute is related to spoofing. And it goes back to the idea of understanding the use case, right? So spoofing is more prevalent to pretty much every other use case because in many situations, location is being used as a, as a way to verify the trustworthiness of, of a user or of a device or an address or even a place. So if you can't rely on the location data, right, because it's easily spoofable, it's not worth using it. So finding ways to detect location spoofing is, is super critical. And that piece is actually more, it's much easier to build an initial version of a spoofing detection solution, but the, compared to, to the precision, uh, to a super precise location technology. But the tricky part is maintenance because the multiple techniques to spoof location are constantly evolving, right? So they're like every day there's a new app that can spoof location. Every day there's a new tempering solution that can spoof location or a new script that you will use to alter the configurations in your operating system so you can spoof location. So every single day there'll, there'll be something new. You need to be constantly researching and upgrading your systems to to detect that. So maintenance costs when it comes to location spoofing detection uh, tend to be very, very high. Well, another thing that's kind of, of hitting in all of this is the infrastructure, right? To be in a new infrastructure for location technology is not easy. You'll have like uh, many layers of things that you, you need to take in place to make uh, the solution work. You need to have a glue between all of those sensors data. You, you would just not get all data and just put in a relational database. You, it would not work. You have like, uh, you need a specific database to, to do that. You need, you need specific algorithms and all of that. It's infrastructure. You need a good architecture for that. And you will not do that in a week or two. You not to do that till a month. You need like many months to create that to make that ecosystem work well, right? So it's definitely not a simple thing to do. Another topic is regarding battery efficiency, because if you just start to collect data at every time, you make your battery deplete very fast. So you need to have the right pace to collect metrics. You need to have the right uh, logic and the right algorithm to make that work smoothly to make it work well enough to collect enough data to create a behavior that you can analyze. And that's not easy at all. That takes a lot of time to get it to work very well. And regarding spoofing technologies, it's more like a, a security environment, right? So we are not 
safe with anything that we use because at every moment there is someone in the world trying to hack into that. So it's mouse cat scenario. So it's something that needs constant development, constant analysis to try to, to block those types of attacks. So it's not something easy to do and to maintain to evolve. Definitely. Yeah. One thing I think it's worth adding to is given the, the new like privacy regulations in different uh, parts of the world, managing that is also quite expensive, right? So for example, if you are a global company and you're collecting location data and you, you're, you're like maintaining this infrastructure to, to store the data, different parts of the world will, would impose different rules, right? So like some would restrict like where like physically you can store that data and which parts of the world you, you can store the data. Others will and would, would enforce like the type of consent that you need to request from users. Each of these regulations would have different rules right, when it comes to users having rights to, for example, ask their data to be deleted or ask for a copy of their data so they can see what, what you stored about them. So besides like developing the solution plus the infrastructure, you still need to build this, this third layer, which is the compliance layer. So it, it can become quite complex. So switching gears, what would you say on the other side are the biggest advantages of buying an off-the-shelf location verification solution? Well, there are multiple solutions out there, right? So it goes back to the use case discussion. Like if your use case is something that really requires like high precision spoofing detection, that, that kind of thing, like first thing is, is to, to look for a specialized vendor and make sure that this vendor is already operating in the countries where you are currently operating. I think that's, that's a critical piece because you need to ensure that this company is already compliant with the privacy regulations. You need to ensure that they already have the infrastructure to support your region with a like good uh, service level agreements and things like that. So I think that would be the first one. Like, Is this company already operating in your region? Second is to like considering that everything is good understand at which like which scale this company is operating at so if you're a company that is currently serving like hundreds of millions of companies like can this vendor support this this scale or is this vendor just used to working with like tens of thousands of users for example because the requirements are completely different from an infrastructure standpoint for example and then assuming that you're good with the first two then the, the last piece is really testing the vendor, right? So I would not recommend like just like signing a contract and starting integration because it can go wrong in multiple ways. So really like ensuring that the vendor helps you with defining a process to test a solution from a spoofing detection standpoint and from a, a precision standpoint is also super important, right? And ideally you would have a data on your end that will, will validate the vendor's technology, right? So for example, if we're using that for fraud prevention purposes, it, it would be great if you, you could share the fraud data with the vendor so you could like cross-reference it and, and see if, if there is a good match, right? If there is a good match, it looks like the solution works for that use case. If there's no match, probably you should look for other vendors. 
I don't see uh, when you hire a service like that. I don't see only that you are hiring the API, the requests. I see that you are hiring like experts on the subject and you need to analyze what is the size of these experts that are on this company? What is the size of the, the team? And if they are people with experience on the area, because there are things that you only, we will only understand struggling against the problems of this uh, technology. So if you have more than 10 years uh, struggling with this kind of technology, yeah, you are up to, to a good vendor. Is there more that we can talk about in terms of like just the experience and focus that it takes to create a solution that performs at this level or perhaps even like the continuous development from like the the fraud attack vector angle, right? Like it's not just a SaaS, I don't know, product, right? It's a it's a product that that people are continuously trying to to break. So that element to it. I think, Andre, you touched on that a little bit when you were talking about location spoofing, but are there other layers to that from a fraud perspective? Yeah, I think, I think that the, it goes back to the, to the location spoofing issue, but, but maybe we could share some examples, right? So we're working with, with multiple companies in the gig economy space, right? And many of those, you have people that are actually making money off of like driving around and, and delivering stuff. And part of the, the system around uh, determining how much money each person would make is based on, on geolocation data, right? Like if, if you went to a very far location to deliver that item, you would gonna make more money. Or if you drove more to bring one person from point A to point B, you're, you're gonna make more money. So there is an incentive for bad actors to spoof location information so that they can make no money, right? So so there's a financial incentive tied to that. So operating in an industry like that is obviously going to force the vendor to constantly like evolve the spoofing detection techniques. And this is what we're seeing on almost a daily basis, right? So every day we see a new type of attack, we see a new application that is released to try to spoof location and we have to adapt very quickly right so if you are currently considering a vendor that is not operating in an industry like this for example the likelihood that this vendor will be able to catch all of these different techniques to spoof location is much lower right another industry that is quite interesting but the precision requirements are not that high is the gaming industry right so there's also an incentive for people to spoof location if they want to bat on something and they're currently at a state in which it's it's not allowed right so same thing like if you're operating that industry you're probably going to specialize on detecting that type of spoofing so if if your use case is matching that that would be helpful i think that the, the most interesting thing when it comes to to this is what i said right which is working with a company that really has a team of experts with a lot of experience that have seen multiple uh, of these attacks, for example, in the past, and know how to react to them. Because knowing how to react will impact how quickly you, you will react and, and speed is extremely critical here. Because if you don't fix these things very quickly, Frostrift will be able to exploit your, 
your platform in a way you don't want, right? So maybe one example that that is, it's worth sharing here is of a company in a very different industry in the financial services industry in which they they wanted to use location to remove friction from the authentication experience, right? So they wanted to use location data to replace things like SMS-based OTPs and biometrics, etc. And this company has, like, they, they decided to build it internally. And they didn't take into consideration all of these different issues around precision and around location spoofing. And what happened was they, they released that feature as a great thing for their customers, uh, as something that would improve security, etc. As soon as they released it, fraudsters started attacking because they figured that like by spoofing location, they would possibly be able to take over accounts. And these accounts are super valuable, right? Those were bank accounts. So once you get access to it, you can move money out of it to an account in your possession, right? So you're actively like stealing money and a lot of money from people. So one thing that was built originally as a security feature was actually a security vulnerability that was introduced to, to the application, right? And very quickly, that bank had to roll back. So they basically wasted a lot of money building the solution, a lot of time building that solution, their reputation, right? Because they were advertising this as a great new security feature. And then they had to roll back and go back to the other systems they, they had in place, right? So it was a huge effort and the, the return was, was negative. One thing we didn't touch on is the potential network effect of a solution. So Andre, would you like to say a little bit more about how companies buying a location verification solution have the added advantage of consortium data? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so when it comes to, to network effects, that is quite important for the two elements that I've mentioned, right? So location spoofing detection, but also precision. Because in our case, for example, the way incognizant technology work is we leverage data from other wireless sensors like uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, for example, and we try to match that against the GPS information, right? So in order to do that well, we need to have previously seen those networks, right, and, and, and mapped those networks to a physical location. So let's assume that we, we just started and we're starting to map a new region where we don't have any any data. Right? It will require some time for us to collect that information and, and do that mapping process before utilizing that information for verification purposes. So in our case, we currently have uh, presence in over 200 million mobile devices in over 25 countries. So that means that in each of those locations, we already have a pretty good understanding about the Wi-Fi networks and where they're located at and things like that. So yeah, if we, we start operating with a new customer in one of those regions, uh, we already have that data and we can start serving them immediately. Right? And that would enhance our spoofing detection capabilities because that's one of the things we use to detect spoofing. But it will also help us collect more precise information about the, the user's location. Right? So leveraging 
a solution that already has a strong footprint in multiple places where we operate is is super critical. I have like a philosophical quote to make. Okay, great. <laughs> Please go ahead. I do think that when we are talking about uh, location verification technology, it's more of a philosophical subject because it is a war, right? I suppose that every company, every startup have its own wars and you need to choose them well and to wait on this war and to spend time and to deviate your engineers into doing that. It's not very wise to do. And it's not like a war between you, between your competitors. It's a war between people that are trying to destroy your business. So I do think that it's very smart for a company to look into a technology that is already working, it's already giving results and are backed by experts and that it's, has a very reasonable price. Yep. Choose good allies. Don't try to go to work by yourself. <laughs> so true. So yeah, we, we have a case of, of a customer. It's another gig economy app where they were targeted by a hacker who instead of attacking that company directly, he decided to develop software to sell to the fraudsters so, so they could attack that company. And this software intends to spoof the geolocation data from a device. And what's interesting is that we have been like upgrading our defenses and, and finding like better ways to detect that software. And, and every week he is releasing a new version of that software with, with something new. And so, so we are catching up and, and, and we got to a point in which he was not able to develop any new version that would work. So he actually got to the point of start selling the devices to the fraudsters. So what he was doing was he was like purchasing like a, a mobile phone. He was altering the operating system in multiple ways. And then after like basically changing everything on, on that device, he would install his software and it would work. So it, it was the only way he was able to, to bypass our defenses was, was by actually like shipping phone to the froster's home. But still, when, when it got to, to the froster's home, we were still being able to detect the, the location of the device, like the true location of the device and linking that to like previous locations where, where we've seen fraudulent activity. So we would block that device right away. But anyways, that's, that's just one anecdotal example of, of an attacker, right? Who was pushing the, the limits here and got to the point of actually like doing all the work, uh, physically on like changing the, the operating system and installing his software on the device and shipping that device to his clients who were the fraudsters, right? And we were still able to detect all that. So imagine like having an operation at your company where you hire people to monitor this type of activity and develop software to fight it. And it can become quite expensive if you're not prepared for it. So it's a very big commitment if that's a critical piece of your business. So yeah, if it's not like your core business, I would strongly recommend working with a specialist that already has experience um, fighting this type of attack. I do think that every solution will have its zero day. It's a day where uh, a new flaw is discovered 
and people try to exploit this flow. But the difference is how many days it will pass until it, it gets patched, right? That's the difference. You can get uh, something that will be exploited like for a month, for a year, and it, it can jeopardize your whole operation. And you you can have a problem that is fixed on the same day that it's appeared on the deep web. That's a difference between having an experienced company doing that work for you and try to do it yourself. Wondered if we could double click actually a little bit on the the POV or the proof of value topic that we were discussing. So, you know, obviously one rationale for building in-house is maintaining control, building to the exact specifications that you need. How can companies looking to onboard a location vendor evaluate the solution as best as possible? What are some tips that you have for those looking for this type of solution? Well, I think there are two things. Uh, the first one is if you have a chance to look to the product documentation before you like commit to even testing it, that's great because then you have like more visibility about what you're actually getting on the API payload, for example. Because in many cases, uh, like these vendors would would deliver a black box, like they would provide you with a risk score and that's it. Where in many situations, you, you actually need more data because you need to customize it in some way. So in our case, we deliver like what we call the evidence. So we provide the customer with a, with a risk assessment, but we also provide all of the supporting evidence. And many of our clients actually use the evidence to customize some, some rules that's that fit their needs right so that's one thing and then the other is is understanding like how specialized the vendor is because that would indicate that this vendor probably has more flexibility to customize their solutions to your needs so for example if you're talking to a generic like fraud prevention vendor that has some features related to location they're probably not going to have a that big of a team that could customize like location specific features for you, right? They need to develop a more generic and broad solution. But if you're working with a company that specializes in services like location, for example, then it's it's probably much easier for you to ask them to develop something customized. So I would recommend taking a look at that for sure. And can you comment also on the the types of testing? So a lot of solution providers, they recommend a back test. It's seemingly a quick and easy way to understand the value of the data that you would ingest. But what are the downsides to that? And can you speak to other ways that that companies can gain more confidence in the the solution that they're testing and how it's going to work within their environment particularly? Yeah. Well, if the testing scenario only involves a backtest, it's probably an indication that this solution is an API-only solution, that it doesn't have a, an SDK that will collect the data directly. And if so, that's already a vulnerability, right? So I wouldn't recommend that. Testing solutions that have like an SDK that has more controls around, for example, the, detecting device integrity issues, like the use of things like emulators and app tempering or 
other things like the use of fake GPS apps, VPNs, proxies, etc. Like all of these verifications need to happen on the client side. If you're like just receiving data via API, you won't be able to rely on it that much. So that would be my my main recommendation when running POVs with location vendors. Like you, you need to ensure that you can trust the data that you're receiving in the first place and doing that only on the server side is is not ideal. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Trust and Safety Mavericks. Subscribe to our show to be notified about every new episode and follow Incognit and me, Andre Faraz, on LinkedIn and Twitter.